Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Let me give an introduction to some of the principles that I will be sharing with you today. They are principles that I have learned and lived by in the last, I would say, 17 to 18 years. They have absolutely revolutionized my way of thinking and my way of working and ministering as a minister of the gospel. 25 years ago or so, I was in my mid-40s then, close to, I think, 47, 48. And there was a time in my ministry that I became so disillusioned and so discouraged with the affairs of the church, with the ministry. And I went away to fast and to pray, as I usually do when I come up with challenges and situations that that really uh, begin to, in a way, uh, challenge uh, my way of thinking and my ministry. I, I wasn't seeing the fruit or the results that I was hoping and expecting to see in my ministry. And during that time, when I went away to Hermanus for a few days to fast and pray, one of the things the Lord ministered and shared with me was this. He said, son, when you reach the age of 50 and beyond, you're going to experience and see much fruit in your ministry. Well, I was, needless to say, I was very encouraged. I knew the Lord had spoken to me, but I didn't know what he meant and how this would come about. But in the process of time, God began to open my way of understanding the ways of the kingdom and how God works. And the things I'm going to be sharing with you today are the things that the Lord has taught me over a period of 17 to 18 years. They are things that changed my way of thinking, as I said, and it has changed my way of working uh, with God's people and the way I minister to them. So today I'm going to share some deep truths and I pray that you will listen with an attentive heart and mind uh, to what I'm going to be sharing with you because they will minister to you, they will help you, and they will impart something to you that will help you to develop spiritually. So what I'm going to be sharing today, I've entitled Relational Discipleship, the Key to Spiritual Development. Relational discipleship is the key to spiritual growth and development. Let me say this, spiritual development is our theme in the Ministries International and for all those who are part of this ministry. And, of course, the pursuit of my focus in this entire season. The strongest, I would say, and the most dominant desire in my heart today is to see our spiritual family grow and develop. Develop spiritually, grow up, 
mature in the things of God, in the things of the Spirit, and in the ways which God, God's Spirit works with us within His kingdom. Most of the problems and struggles we are challenged with in a church, and I'm not talking about just our church, I'm talking about the church worldwide. Most of the problems and struggles we are faced with in the church today have their roots in spiritual immaturity. As a result of that immaturity, the Bible says that God is unable to speak to us or deal with us as he would with spiritually mature people. In other words, God is prohibited or hindered in working the way he wants to work in us and through us in order to extend and establish the influence of his kingdom in our spheres of influence. And this is a fact. Jesus said once to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you are unable to hear them right now. You see, they couldn't receive what Jesus wanted to minister to them, so he had to wait until the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would grow up a little bit more spiritually so that he can reveal things to them that they could not, he could not share with them at that stage of maturity or that they were in at that time. And so it is with us today, God, there is so much God wants to share with us, so much God wants to do with us and through us, but unless and until we mature spiritually and come to a spiritual age which is able to receive and to work with God the way he wants us, the things that he wants to do, he cannot. And that's the fact. So, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says to them, and we're going to prove what I'm saying to you from Scripture. This is not some ideas that I got into my head. These are principles that I'm sharing with you that are proved from the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the uh, Passion Translation, Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Corinth had so many problems uh, during that time. They were so uh, carnal and fleshly, and, and there was so much problems within the church. So, Paul writing to them, he says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your life centered on yourselves dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. These were born-again Christians. They were filled with the Spirit. They had all the gifts of the Spirit, but the lifestyles and the behavior 
was those like those of the unbelieving world. So as we can see from Paul's writings, the church in Corinth was riddled with carnality, and Paul attributes that to their spiritual immaturity. Let me say this. Spiritual immaturity leads us down a path of selfishness, endless strife, breakup in relationships, and so many other manifestations of the flesh. And the thing is, we cannot just pray these things away. Neither can we preach them away from the pulpit. But we can grow out of them only as we develop and mature spiritually. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So it is with us. You see, both spiritual natural growth and spiritual natural growth, that, that Jesus gives us that analogy many times, the Bible. The way that natural growth works, spiritual growth and the principles apply the same. So it is with us as we grow, as we become spiritually mature, we will put away childish behavior and live a life that is worthy of the Lord's calling. I believe that the best and the choicest blessings in Christ are only reserved and experienced by the mature disciples of Christ. You see, how do you measure maturity, spiritual maturity? Maturity is measured and defined by the values we hold to and the attitude by which we express and communicate those values. Let me say that again because that's very important. Take a note. Maturity is measured and defined by the values we hold to and the attitude by which we express and communicate those values. You see, a mature person will hold to higher values than an immature person. Let me give you an example. If I ask my grandson, his name is Andrea, little Andrea, and he's six years old. If I ask him, Andrea, what do you value most right now? What do you want? He'll probably talk to me about a certain toy that he wants me to buy for him. That's understandable. He's six years of age. Now, when he gets into the teenage years and he's 17 or 18 years old, and I ask him the same question, he'll probably say, Papu, uh, can you buy me a sports car? I really want this sports car. But when he's 30 years of age, and now he's married, and, his children, and he has uh, a couple of children, of course his values will certainly change from what he valued when he was six years old, or 16 years old. Now, there would be something terribly, terribly wrong if he still wants me, at 30 years of age, to buy him a toy. 
you laugh, you think it's funny. But you know, we do the same thing spiritually speaking. The things that we value so often have no eternal value in the light and in the perspective of God's kingdom. Remember what Paul said once, the things that I considered so valuable, now I consider them as rubbish. What happened to him? He grew up spiritually. He received revelation knowledge from heaven. And now his value system completely changed. And what he once loved and pursued and valued so much, now he says, I consider them as rubbish. Do you see it? As we spiritually mature, our values will also change. And what we used to value, what we used to pursue, will no longer be the case. I find in my experience as a pastor, talking to people, listening to people, very often believers pray for things that are on a higher level than where they are. And they wait for the prayers to be answered, but in vain. Because the things they ask down here, they're not down here. They are on this level. And the only way for them to receive them is to climb from where they are to where they should be, and those things, they will naturally be attracted to you. You become like a magnet. When you grow up and you spiritually mature and the grace of God and the anointing of God rests upon you, you don't have to pursue anything because everything you need in life, solutions to problems, resources, connections, relationships, everything just you, you become like a giant magnet and you attract those things and draw them to yourself. Why? Because you have grown up and you have matured. So the principle is this. Values change as we grow and mature in the Lord. Now, a major problem we have in the church worldwide today is trying to change the values of the people without helping them to grow up spiritually. And how do we do that? By programs. We, we do that by preaching to them from the pulpit what they ought to be doing, rather than nurturing them and educate them to maturity through relational discipleship. You can't mature people through programs. Having said that, I am not minimizing the importance of the ministry of the Word of God from the pulpit, nor the importance of various programs, Sunday school, youth programs, and so on and so forth. They are vitally important, but that alone is not enough. We must come to the place, we especially who are more mature, especially the ministers of the gospel, where we realize the importance of relationships in the church and, and the value of relational discipleship. We must walk with the people, not from the pulpit, but among them. Not from a distance, but from the heart. This is so powerful. It has literally transformed and changed my way of ministering. I have experienced and witnessed the fruit of relational discipleship and the maturity that came to those I personally fathered 
and personally discipled. And you know, a pastor cannot do this with everyone in his congregation, especially if he has a lot of people in his congregation. He needs the help of those who are spiritually mature in his church. Paul, in his epistle to the Corinthians, he emphasizes again this value, the value and the importance of spiritual fathers. He says, and I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15 through to 17, For although you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the Anointed One. And so I encourage you, my children, to follow the example that I live before you. That's why I've sent my dear son, Timothy, whom I love. Timothy wasn't his natural son. He was his spiritual son, personally mentored and trained and discipled by the Apostle Paul. And he talks about Timothy and he says, he's faithful to the Lord Yahweh and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus, the anointed one, and of the teachings that I bring to every church everywhere. You see what the problem was with the Corinthians. They didn't have many fathers in the midst, many spiritually mature people, but they had all the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, Paul said to them in the first epistle in chapter 1, you come behind in no spiritual gift. God has enriched you and blessed you with every spiritual gift. They had all the gifts of the Spirit, but, and they had a multitude of instructors in the faith or babysitters telling them how to behave without giving them the proper care and the discipline they needed to grow. That's why he says, I'm going to send you Timothy. Timothy is my spiritual son who genuinely cares for you and he would walk with you in a loving relationship, demonstrating before you my ways, my values as a true father in the Lord. So listen to how Paul describes Timothy to them. In Philippians 2.19 he says, I'm trusting in our Lord Jesus that I may send Timothy to you soon so that I can be refreshed when I find out how you're doing. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What did Paul say was the outstanding characteristic of Timothy that separated him from everyone else? He said it was the genuine care for the people of God. And Timothy carried the same heart, the same love, the same passion for the welfare of the church that Paul carried in his own heart. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says, A shepherd should pay close attention to the faces of his flock and hold close to his heart the condition of those he cares for. Folks, 
there are no distances in the Spirit. Some of you are so far away from where I am, but yet you are so close to my heart because I carry you within me. That's what we're talking. Paul was talking about, he says, the true shepherd hold close to his heart the condition of those he cares for. And I say this with all confidence. There has never been a time before when we have so much preaching and teaching at our fingertips, and yet we continue to remain spiritual babes in Christ. Today, at your fingertips, you can log on to any ministry, hear the, the, the most powerful and anointed messages, and you get blessed and you get encouraged. But why? If preaching and teaching alone would do it, every one of us would be a spiritual giant by now. Are you with me? Now, let me say this. It's one thing to be preached to, and it's another to have someone to walk with you in the Spirit, to care for you, to nurture you, and educate you into spiritual maturity. It's one thing to have a church to go to, but it's another to have a shepherd in your life who will walk with you, nurture you, care for you, correct and discipline you when you need it in the ways of the Lord. And let me say this, there is no substitute for that. Jesus gave us the perfect example in developing spiritual people. He lovingly walked with those that he discipled. He walked with them, he ate with them, he fellowshiped with them, he nurtured and cared for them. And in such an atmosphere, he taught and discipled them the ways of the kingdom. Often I think of Paul and the heart he had for the people that he was responsible for, for the church as a whole. The agonizing prayers, the sleepless nights he endured on behalf of the church, and the care he so vividly displayed in his epistles. Listen to some of his words he wrote to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, he says, Night and day, praying exceedingly, that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. You see, Paul was far away from those he was mentoring, from those he was praying for, from those he was discipling. And he was praying night and day that he may see their faces and perfect what is lacking in their faith. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, he says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you became, you became dear to us. To Paul, this was not a job. He invested his entire life into those he shepherded, he pastored, he mentored. Countless of believers, and this is the truth, sitting in packed-to-capacity churches today, and when crisis hits, they have no one that they can turn to or confide in. What's wrong with this picture? 
They go through crisis all on their own. They don't have a relationship with a spiritually mature person that they can call or open their hearts or seek counsel. And that's the time when you need them most. You see, they have ample teaching, preaching, but no fathering. No intimate connection with a spiritually mature person who is willing to take the time and to walk with them in a loving relationship. I've noticed this. Something happens to people when you show them genuine care, when they know that you truly care for them, when they see that care evident in your life, the hearts seem to open up to receive from you. Even the correction you give them is well received because they know that it comes from someone who genuinely loves them and cares for them. I recall the early days of my spiritual walk in the first couple of years, two, three, four years with the Lord and the desperate need I had for someone who would walk with me and pray with me and encourage me to stand in my faith as I was facing this horrendous persecution from my own immediate family as well as from my countrymen. There was no one around. I had the hunger and the zeal to grow, but I had no shepherd. Even though I had someone in the church that I was attending who would preach to me from the pulpit, it added no value to my faith or my spiritual development because he lacked the heart of a shepherd. Family, listen to me and hear me well. If you want to grow and develop spiritually, if you don't have a spiritually mature person whom you trust to shepherd you and carry you in his heart and watch over your soul, ask the Lord to give you one. One who would genuinely care for you in the Lord. When you do find him, open up your heart to him and allow him to speak into your life and to shepherd you. If you do have such a person in your life, Thank God for him or for her. Appreciate them and honor them because these men and women are priceless. You can't buy them from a supermarket. They are sent to you directly from God. And they carry in the hearts the genuine love of God for you and they care for your interests, your future, your life, your work, your destiny. Even as I am, have been preparing this message, the Spirit brought to my remembrance the intimate conversations I had with my son Stephen when he was going through tough times at his place of work the emotional and mental strain he was taking as that season in his life was coming to an end. He needed a shepherd. He needed a father figure who would walk with him during this time and listen to him and take him through to the other side. And he successfully made that transition. I was there for him. I cried with him, I listened to him, I prayed for him, 
And when God gave me revelation and, and released me to speak directly to him, I did. And the end result was glorious. I recall the countless conversations I had with Michael Morris and the loving correction he often received from me in his spiritual development and formation. I recall the hard decisions he needed some kind of help to make those decisions and the sacrifices he endured to be where he is today. A father is always there. When you're joyful, when you're hurting, when you're crying, when you rejoice, he's always there with you. I remember the frequent calls from Peter during times of crisis and the conversations we had together over the phone during one of the toughest years he, had, he, he was experiencing as he took on major responsibilities in his father's business. And we still continue that communication. Anything in his life, good or bad, the first person he calls is me. Why? Because there's a relationship. Michael Weiss and Kerry, the same. Growing up in church as a spiritual orphan, I learned the value of true spiritual fathering. I learned that people need something more than just teaching and preaching. They need love and they need care. They need a fresh, a flesh and bone person who would take the time to listen to them, to walk with them, to correct them, to disciple them in the ways of God. It took me years to find my spiritual father. And that took place only after I was released into ministry, 1987. By then, I was in the ministry for four years. I found him in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the United States in 1987. He was a priest in the Orthodox Church. He went home to be with the Lord now. He believed in me. He encouraged me. He opened up doors and new horizons and opportunities for me beyond my ability to do so on my own. He opened up a whole new world for me that I could not open. I recall how I waited anxiously to receive his letter. It took three weeks to come from the United States. But I anxiously waited and I poured over his writings again and again, and I received so much strength and encouragement. And when I went to visit him in 1987, the Lord showed me clearly. He revealed to me as I was sitting in his office, face to face, the Spirit of God spoke to me, said, Son, this is your spiritual father. That's the first time I heard that phrase. Because of his labors and prayers, you were born again, and now you were sent to the Greek nation because this man carried you and agonized for you. Wow. These are deep spiritual truths, folks, that one has to receive a revelation to understand the depth and the value of what I'm sharing with you. But the saddest thing of it all is that not many within the church are willing to take the high road and walk in such loving relationships. They would rather sit in church and they are content to hear sermon after sermon, but they would not allow anyone to enter the space or the hearts for that matter. Sad. They fear intimacy. They fear accountability in the Lord and they run from it. 
And these are the people whom Paul talks about and regards as those who always, he says, learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. No, pastor, you stay in your pulpit. Don't mess with my life. I am just okay as I am. I don't need any help or any counseling or any advice. I know what to do. I don't need you. Stay there, and I'm staying here. Now, such attitude will never help a person to grow. And Paul says these are the, the type of people who have not fully embraced the cross of Christ. They, they proud, they fiercely independent. They run from accountability and they never take responsibility for their lives. And also they cause divisions and strife in the church. And Paul warns us from such, he says, uh, turn away. Now there are other believers, genuine they have a desire to grow and mature in the Lord, but they do not trust the spiritual leaders because they have not given them any evidence or reasons to trust them. And that's also true. It works both sides, folks. They are not open with them, with those they shepherd, not transparent with them. They're secretive, they're insecure, they're manipulative and controlling. Now, you don't want to walk with a person like that, folks. That will not help either. And let me say this. There are no perfect leaders or shepherds. You won't find them on earth. But there are genuine ones. They truly care and love the people of God, and they love the people they shepherd. How will I recognize them, you may ask? Well, it's simple. Study the lives. Look at the fruit of the ministry the people they discipled, the families they raised, and the relationships they have. Remember what Jesus said, you shall know them by the fruits. Not by the gifts, but by the fruits. So I want to encourage you today not to draw back from such loving relationships, but take the step of faith and step out of the shadows of fear and insecurity into the light and allow God to take you on a journey to your spiritual development. I guarantee you, you will never be the same again. And let me add this before I conclude this message. Believers often ask the wrong questions because they don't understand the ways of God or his kingdom. They don't fully understand how God works. Let me give you an example. They look for the wrong things like, where is the closest church to my house? I don't want to drive and go to a church that is so far away. Or where can I find a church that has good music, good worship, good Sunday school, good fellowship? good programs, etc., etc., etc. All those are good. But listen, if that's all you're seeking, you will sit in those churches Sunday after Sunday for years without ever growing up or maturing in the Lord. What should we be asking? Here is what you should be asking. God, where is my spiritual family? with whom you have connected me to, 
Who is my shepherd? Can you point him out? Who do you call when you're in crisis? Who did, whom did you, O oh God, appoint over my spiritual growth and development? One that has been sent to watch over my soul because shepherds are spiritual watchmen. They watch and pray over your soul. God spoke through Jeremiah in the Old Covenant and promised that he would give his people, there would come a time that he would give his people shepherds after his own heart who would feed them with wisdom and knowledge, not hype and not intellectual knowledge, but revelation knowledge. So we need shepherds after his own heart who would feed us with that wisdom and knowledge, as well as nurture us with the loving care of the Father. When Michael Morris came to us years ago, he didn't just come to a church in a building. He came to a person who happened to be the man whom God appointed over his spiritual development. He came to a spiritual family, and in that family he found a father, a father figure, one who would take an interest in his life, one who was willing to take the time, walk with him and invest in his life in a loving relationship and disciple him. And that was the most important thing he needed at the time. He may not have known that now, but as he looks back, he realizes that that was the most important thing I needed at that stage of my life. And some of you can bear witness <laughs> and you feel the same. And I recall years ago when Nicola, some of you know Nicola, Nicola Famag, now she's Van Rensburg. There was a time in her life when she came to a crossroads and needed to make an important decision which would alter her life and future. She finished her studies, if you recall, at the University of Cape Town and wanted desperately to go back home to Durban, find a job there where the rest of her family lived. Her father and mother lived in Durban, her sisters. In prayer, you see, but she didn't follow that natural desire. What did she do? And that's what we should always do. She decided to put God first and pray about that decision. And that's what you and I need to do about every decision. The word says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And it also says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Because your own understanding will lead you astray. So she prayed. The Lord didn't say to her, stay or go. But what the Lord did, he gave her his word. And you know what was the word he gave her? When I asked her, what did the Lord say, Nicola? She said to me, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. I looked at that verse and to my amazement, I didn't know that verse existed in the Bible. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. God didn't say go and God didn't say stay. You see, God is not going to make decisions for you folks. 
Because some people are waiting for God to make decisions. You can wait all eternity. God will not make decisions for you. You will make the decisions. What he will do, he will give you his word. He will give you the wisdom that you need to make the right decisions. But you have to make them. So when she read that, the word of the Lord spoke to her in her heart. And so what did she do? She decided to stay in Cape Town and remain in our church. Why? Why? Because she found a shepherd there, a spiritual father, one whom she recognized as the one whom God appointed over her spiritual development because that shepherd genuinely cared for her. Today I look at her, I look at her family, she's a living testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to her. In the city of Cape Town she found the love of her life, Mark. And married him. She found an excellent company to work for and to exercise her gifts and talents that she studied so hard to develop. And as a bonus, God brought her parents to Cape Town as well. Isn't God amazing, folks? Because she sought God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added. So many times we worry about things that are not really important. And we're not concerned about the things that are really important in our lives. We don't join a church. We join a spiritual family, folks. And in that family we find spiritual fathers and mothers as well as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Are you listening to me? I trust you learning some of these deep truths and values that completely transformed my ministry in the last 17 years. I used to love the pulpit, I still do. But I realized through the process of time that the pulpit alone is not enough. I had to get off the pulpit and walk with the people whom God brought to me. I had to take the time and invest in their lives. You know, pastors today are so busy Busy, busy, busy with programs, 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 programs. Busy, busy, busy counting numbers and heads in their churches. And we missed the most important thing in the ministry, and that's people. You are the most valuable and precious people in the eyes of God. And if we value something else, then we have missed it altogether. That's why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. I, I feel sorry for such pastors that you have to make three, four appointments with three, four different secretaries to get an audience with them. God help us. Jesus was the busiest man on earth, yet he was always accessible and he was always available. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you for the values of the kingdom that always work. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for the under-shepherds that you have appointed in the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, so that they may equip your church and bring your church to the fullness of the stature of Christ, so that we are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but they may, we may come to an age of maturity where we are able to take on the Father's work and the Father's responsibilities. May you help us all grow up, Lord, and be a blessing to you, to our spiritual family, and to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.